I say to myself, man, what an unfortunate thing that so many people would hear the story and would walk away with nothing more than feeling like they heard a good history lesson, but not actually walking forward in a way where their lives are truly changed and they're living in a way where there's power and there is hope Every single day that they wake up, that they breathe air, that they look upon their life, that there is power and that there is hope that we are meant to be endued with, to walk within this world and to never be out from under. But so many hear the story and they hear it, it's like a lesson, and they go on their way and they're unchanged. There's nothing that's, that's transformed about the way that they live each and every single day. And I don't know about you, but one of the things that it just breaks my heart over and over again is I see so many people, and, and I don't know if it's because maybe I'm in ministry and I, I, I hear about a lot of people's lives or if maybe it just really is there's so much more of this in our world today, but I hear about so many who are, are living in a way where they have no hope. It's like there's hopelessness it's become rampant. It's, it's almost like epidemic in our, our culture. Can anybody else relate to that? It, it just seems like it's all over. And here's the thing. When you don't have hope for what is to come, when you don't have hope for what tomorrow will bring, when hopelessness begins to set in, the next stage of that is that it spills over into this place of what we call clinically as depression. And then the, the farthest reaching place of that is it gets into a point which is a spirit, an evil spirit that we would call despair. People can go from not having hope, hopelessness, depression, and into a place of complete and utter despair. And it's a horrible place to be, to live like that, to live without hope. And, and the, the thing is, is that we as people who are created by God are created to yearn for and to crave a hope. There's nothing that's wrong or dysfunctional about that at all. And so it's not like we have to feel guilty about it. The Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick. Sick means to ache. It actually means to be almost like afflicted with disease. Think about that for a second. If you're without hope, then in your soul, in your inner man, I'm not talking about the physical man, I'm talking about the inner part of you, your spirit, that it says hope deferred makes the heart sick. It begins to feel afflicted. It begins to feel almost like there's a sickness that's setting in, not in the physical man, but in the spirit man on the inside of us. And we're not meant to live that way. It says, no, you're meant to live in a place of hope all of the time. But why do so many people struggle with this? Why do so many people seem to be real high one day and real low the next day? It seems like life is a, about an emotional roller coaster. They're up and they're down. And I think that a lot of it has to do with, folks, where we are putting our hope. What are we attaching our hope to? And I think that where we see a lot of mistakes made is that people put their hope in things. And this is important. We understand this, that they put their hope in things that do not have the capacity to anchor and to shoulder that hope 
for all of the storms of life that will lie ahead. You see, anything that's of this world, right, is temporal. It's fading. It's vaporous. It's like sand slipping through your fingers. None of this will be here forever. It will all fade. In fact, it's actually fading right now as we're even standing here today. And so when we put our hope in things like this that are slipping, that are shifting, and that are fading, might I ask us, what would we possibly expect other than that hope to fail and to shift and not be able to stand firm on solid ground? I've seen people put their hope in things like careers and jobs. I've seen people put hope in things like money and finances, where they think, well, if I have enough, if I, if I just have this much money or my debts are paid off, somehow, once that happens, then I'm going to be okay. I've seen people put hope in relationships. Well, as long as things are good with this person, as long as we're in good standing, then I can have hope and I can feel good. But when that relationship is rocky and when things are shifting, all of a sudden my hope and my joy for each day begin to shift and fade with that. Listen, the Bible says, cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength. It tells us over and over again, things like money and riches, that they're like uh, the moth and rust will come in and destroy them because they just wither away. The point is, everything that is of this world, if we are trying to put our hope in that, then our hope is going to fade, it's going to shift, it's going to fracture, and it's going to fall just as sure as the unstable foundation that we're trying to anchor it to is. Are you with me so far? Listen to this. In the book of Hebrews chapter 6, verses 19 and 20, we see some very powerful verses here. It says, the hope, this hope that we have is an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, which enters the presence behind the veil where the forerunner has entered for us, yes, Jesus, having become high priest forever. Let me just stop right there. He's talking about a hope here. He's talking about a hope that we can anchor our soul to, that we can anchor our inner man to. And I want to share with you what that, what that is and how reliable and how permanent that can be. But I just want to really paint the picture that if we're putting our hope, guys, in anything that is of this world or that's not Jesus, that's not the foundation of solid rock like Jesus talks about in the parable of the wise builder. He says, if you build your house on solid rock, that you will be able to stand all of the storms of life that come your way. But if you don't, it's like building on the sand and it will shift and it will change and it will fade and it will fall out from under you as soon as a storm begins to pour. Has anybody like me ever went down to the lake and you go boating? One of the things we love to do when we go down to the Ozarks and go boating, and we go and we, we love to pull off whenever it's nice and warm and you can swim and pull off in a little cove, kind of off to the side of the main channel, you know? 
and you get out and you throw some rafts out there, you pack a cooler for the day, everybody jumps out and starts to swim, but the first thing you do before you jump out of the boat is what? What do you got to do to the boat? You got to anchor the boat, right? At least that's what you're supposed to do. Uh, Has anybody ever been like me where you throw the anchor out and you realize it's not tied to a rope? No, I'm just kidding. I did do that one time. I did, actually. It's like, oh, that's a problem. Look forward to telling Dad that one. Okay. Throw the anchor out and you lodge it in. And you jump out and you're swimming and you're having a good old time. Everything's wonderful. All of a sudden the winds pick up. Waves kind of start flowing into the cove. And then before you know it, you look over and what's the boat doing? Drifting away, right? Oh, boat! And you got to swim and catch up to the boat and bring it back. And you pull the anchor up and you're like, what's going on? And there's some sand and some silt kind of lodged in there. And then you realize that anchor was down in this soft, sandy, muddy soil, and it was kind of in there. But as soon as the waves started to stir it up a little bit, everything shifted, and that anchor wasn't lodged in there anywhere near enough to hold the load that lie above it. And as soon as that happened, the boat begins to shift and move, and the anchor cannot hold up any longer. You see, if a boat and the Bible says your hope, this hope is like an anchor for our soul. Look, God uses words like that, metaphors like that, to paint a picture in our mind to help us see the reality of the truth he's declaring to us. He's saying, look, this hope, you can anchor your soul to this. And, and if a boat, a physical boat, needs a good, solid structure to anchor to so it can't move... Folks, how much more would we think that our souls need something so solid and so sufficient that the storms that will no doubt come in life have got to be able to be, uh, we've got to be able to be anchored to something solid so that those things don't move us and toss us to and fro. And the rock, that foundation of Jesus and who he is and what he did is enough to be able to lodge to so that we can live our lives in a way where it doesn't matter what's happening in our job. It's important. I don't want to make light of it, but it doesn't matter what's going on in the world around us. It doesn't matter all of these external circumstances. Yes, they can afflict us, and yes, we are faced with challenges, but there is a hope that's residing on the inside of us that we're anchored to, that's unfading and unwavering and never changes. Are you with me? And so you can live through each and every single day, and you can have this blessed assurance that it doesn't matter what comes your way. It doesn't matter what you get hit with, because you know in your heart of hearts that Jesus has done something so significant for you. He's prayed a price so significant that what you have as a result of that is something that can never be taken. And let me ask you something. If you know you're going to spend all of eternity in heaven with Jesus after you leave this life, if you know that you are blessed, that you are forgiven, that you're made clean, you're not condemned, There is no one in Christ who is in condemnation. Are you with me? You're forgiven. You are loved. You are made righteous with him. If that is the case, and we really understand that, 
Is there anything that life could deal us, could present our way that really ought to be able to rob us of that joy and that hope that we know that we have? There shouldn't be, should there? But so many people living today like this all the time. And I believe Jesus is saying it's not, it's not the life I'm, I've died for you to have. That's not what it looks like to be a Christian. That's not what it looks like to follow me. When you are anchored, your hope, your inner man is lodged, is attached to something so solid that no matter how bad the storm on the outside seems, there is nothing that's going to be able to break loose the anchor on your soul that's hooked and attached to me. You could go through any trial, any difficulty that this world would bring you, and you'd be able to walk through that and face that knowing that you have a hope of what's still to come. You have a hope that you can wake up every single morning and take a breath and say, this is a great day. It doesn't matter what's happening around me. I am blessed. God has forgiven me. I have eternal life, and I have blessings that are coming each and every single day because my Lord says that I do. You see, if he did what he said he did to die on that cross and be raised from the dead, and he really was everything that he declared, then all of the promises that he spoke to us have to be true. Because if he really defied death and defeated it, then he is God, and everything that he said is true. So that means everything in this word that he speaks to us about living in blessing, about him being our protector, being our provider, watching over us, leading us into a great and mighty purpose with marvelous works that he has for us. Those things all have to be true if he really was who he said he was. Are you with me? And we can anchor ourselves to that. Guys, we can put our hope and we can put our faith in something like Jesus Christ and who he was and what he did that will bring us, a, that will produce in us a way of living every day that has power, it has victory, and it's full of hope that's unwavering and unfading. You see, when Jesus died on the cross, it was the beginning his, re, his, his resurrected body appeared to many. He was risen from the dead. And at that moment, hope became alive. Unending, permanent hope. We can live in a world that's temporal and attach our hope to temporal things. But would we be really surprised whenever our hope is constantly up and down and fading and shifting just like the things beneath our feet? You see, if you're not standing on something firm and solid that's immovable, as soon as one little thing comes your way, it will throw you off balance. Any of you ever seen those things the kids are on, those, were they rip sticks, they call them? Yeah, so I used to skateboard. In my day, it was, you know, Tony Hawk and Caballero and all those guys and half pipes, right? And so I think we were over at actually Marla's house one day and her daughter has one of these rip sticks, and I'm thinking, oh, yeah, no problem, whatever, sure. And uh, needless to say, I, I was almost handicapped after that. I got on, and it, and it was so inst unstable and rocky and shaky that it just slipped right out from under my feet. And I thought, I think I'll stick with the ground. <laughs> 
solid ground that I can put my feet on, that I can walk, that I can exert pressure from, that I can have force off of. Listen, that's what the Bible is telling us. It's saying, listen, I'm not talking about your feet in the ground. I'm not talking really about a ship in an anchor. I'm just trying to paint a picture for you. I'm talking about the fact that your inner man, that your spirit man is made to crave a hope, to desire a hope that you would live with every single day that would give you the power and the joy and the peace that you need to walk in victory over every scheme the devil has for you. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about anchoring that part of you to something, and there's only one thing that you can anchor it to that will be sufficient enough to hold you and keep you and preserve you through all of the things that life is going to bring your way. And listen, by no means, folks, do I have all of this figured out? There's so many things that I read and hear, and I think to myself, God, what do you mean by that? I don't, I don't understand, you know? There's so much in here that still fascinates me and draws me in and inspires me to know God more and to dig deeper and to get more revelation. But I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. I understand this thing that he's saying about hope. I understand that my soul is hooked to something that's immovable, that's eternal, and that's so solid and so sure that no matter what's going on, do I get a little disappointed? Do I get a little upset or sad at times? Sure. Those are emotions, though. They do not change or disrupt the condition in my soul, in my spirit that wakes up every day so thankful, so glad to be alive and to have a purpose and a destiny that Christ has created me for, that I'm telling you no matter what comes, no matter what presents itself, I am convinced that that, dis, that, that peace and that joy on the inside is never, ever going to change. Because no matter what comes against me, I think to myself, this is just temporal, this is finite. I have something that's permanent that's yet ahead, and I can look forward to that. I can live with hope and live with joy every single day, knowing that there's nothing that the enemy can do that would take that away from me. And I just want to encourage you today, folks. This story of Easter, Jesus going to the cross, dying, being risen. Bible says in the book of Hebrews later, it says that he went into the most holy of holies, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood and offered that perfect sacrifice. You see, the, the priests in the temple every year would go in and they would offer a sacrifice of a blood of an animal that would atone for the sins of the people. This was instituted in the time of Moses. And that would basically, it was like an imperfect system, but it allowed the people to have some sort of atonement for their sins that they had just committed over the previous year. And it was the high priest that would go into the temple, into the Holy of Holies, where no one else could go. Interesting, only the high priest. And he would go with this blood, and he would offer this sacrifice on what's called the mercy seat, which was this seat over the Ark of the Covenant. And when that blood was poured out, is the sins of the people were atoned for, for for that year. And they had to do it all over again the next year. It was kind of like an imperfect thing. It fixed it a little bit, but it never really brought the fulfillment. It's like duct tape, you know? You can use duct tape for something, and it can kind of fix it for a while, but really the problem is still there, right? <laughs> At least that's how I use it. <laughs> Until it's made new, it's really still broken. 
And that's what this system was. It was, a, it was a merciful act of God not to bring judgment and punishment on people, but to allow a, a provision for their sin, but it was only temporary. And so just like the high priest would go into the temple and offer the blood of a lamb on the sacrificial mercy seat, it says that Jesus himself went into the most holy of holies. He went behind the curtain, but not in the physical temple. He was actually in heaven, and he offered his own blood as that sacrifice, and he became our high priest once and forever. And the Bible says that no longer were there ever any more sacrifices that had to be made for the atonement of sin. Isn't that unbelievable? And at that point, guys, listen, hope was birthed. It was made alive. It was given to us so that we could live every day knowing what we have in eternity. We may not know what every day is going to bring, but we know that no matter what day it is, whether I've got something good going on, something exciting, something difficult, I ought to wake up that day, that morning, and have a hope and a joy about me that nothing that this world is presenting could rob me from and if it does then the devil is having his way and Jesus I think is sitting back and saying listen I did it in fullness not partiality so that you could have everything that I have died for you to be able to have you should live with a hope and live with an assurance each and every single day that your eternal condition is secured your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. You are an heir with Christ, which means you have all of the inheritance and the blessing and everything that Christ died for you to be able to have. The only way we don't walk in that is if we allow the enemy to deceive us and rob us of the very thing that we already own. I want to close with this thought. If you were given an inheritance from a family member, and you owned all of these riches and this wealth and properties and homes and all of these things. It was, it was passed to you because an ancestor died and willed it and left it to you. And you just inherited all of this. You would know because that document says that you're the rightful owner of all this. You'd walk into those places with a confidence, with an assurance, with a faith of knowing everything that is here is mine. Not because I've earned it, but because one who has died has passed it to me, and I have a document stating that all of this is rightfully mine. I am the heir. You wouldn't allow someone to come up and say, you know what? I like this house a little bit too much. I think I'm going to take it from you. I like this car. I like this bank account. I like all of this jewelry. I like these things. I think I'm going to just take that from you. That seems ridiculous, doesn't it? You would say, no, you can't take this because it's mine. I am the rightful owner of this, and I have legal justification saying it is so. I will bring the authorities to remove you from attempting to take from me what is rightfully mine. We say, well, that seems so logical. But listen, think about this. This is what the enemy of your soul is trying to do. You already own 
are an heir to everything that Christ died for you to have. You can't earn more of it. You get that. It's all yours now if you call on the name of Jesus and you are saved. The only thing that is undetermined is if you will stand up when the enemy of your soul comes knocking at your door and says, I like that joy. I like that peace. I like that purpose. I am going to take that from you. I'm going to remove that from you because I don't want you to have it anymore. And what we need to do is we need to recognize, devil, I'm sorry, but you have no, log- you have no legal justification. I have a legal document and there is a testator one who left a will who died for this to pass to me it's mine I own it you have no right to take it from me because I am Jesus's he owns me then I have everything that he says that I have I have joy and I have hope that you could never get on the inside of me and rob me from You can try all the days of my life. You can bring whatever affliction you want to bring to me. You can pull that job from me. You can pull that house from me. You can drain that bank account. You can try to bring some sickness, but I'm just telling you right now, there is a joy and a hope that's living on the inside of my soul that I'm anchored to that you will never be able to dislodge me from. read it again. This hope that we have is an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. It's positive, it's assurance, and it's perseverance. See, Jesus knew that life would bring affliction, and he knew that we needed a hope that we could anchor to where we could persevere through everything that life would bring our way and that the enemy would try to bring against us. He said, no problem, I've got you covered. Because what I'm going to do, it's going to fulfill it all. And you can hook your soul, you can anchor your soul to me, solid rock, firm foundation, no matter what obstacle you face, you can be sure I'm not going to slip beneath your feet. This ain't sand. This is rock. It ain't fading. It's lasting forever. It's going to outlast everything that you see in this world with your natural eye. Put your faith in that.